Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com. So welcome to the end of August. We got here very fast, my friends, very fast. So no Psalms of summer today. They're done, all right, just like summer's done, all right? Um, Today, I want to kind of just share my heart with you. I mean, this is just pretty much your pastor speaking to you from his heart. But I want to speak on a subject. uh, I've entitled it From Rows to Circles. We're sitting in rows right now. Those are awesome. They're great rows, by the way. Y'all look good, by the way. But can I tell you something? You can sit in these rows for a long, long time and never know a so. We're not, we're not created to sit in rows. I think we're created to sit in circles. We're created to do life together. We're created to share and love and hug. And we need each other. We live in a time in our country, in our world, where we're eliminating humans in replace of computers and robots and things that can do it for you so we can not need people. We're telling a generation that you have a whole lot of people that love you and care about you and that you're friends because you have so many likes on Facebook. But we're raising generations of people and we're kind of as adults sometimes caught in this world where we've never been so alone. We've never been so starving for relationships. And my friends, I'm going to tell you something. There is no amount of preaching and worship that will cause you to stick at a church like relationships do. Relationships are what is dying to happen in church. It's got to happen in church. People walk into churches all the time today. They'll walk in today. There'll be thousands in that house. They'll walk in alone, and they'll walk out alone. And nothing changes. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, we have got to get back to loving people and doing life together. Relationships are what make us who we are. It's what we need. We need it more than we we even know we need it. So I want to talk today about life groups. It's what we do here at the church. I love Sunday morning, but we got to have life groups. We got to do life together in homes, in shops. We got to do life somewhere together with a bunch of people. If you're doing life right now, if you're in life groups, praise Jesus. I hope you're ready to go again this fall. If you're not in a life group today, my prayer is that this message will spur you to jump into a life group. We've got life groups that are full. We do. But that's okay. We can start new ones. 
And we need your home if God's blessed you with it and he opens your heart. We need you to lead a life group. We need you to be a part of a life group. So home groups, some churches call them home groups because they meet in homes. Some churches call them section groups because uh, they, they go to churches where there's three or 5,000 every Sunday in, in a worship service. And, and their groups are divided by sections in which people sit in. So these sections are full, but these sections are also the section group for that week at, at some place in a small group. And so you can call it whatever you want. Some churches call it cell groups. I love cell groups. Cells reproduce. Life groups got to reproduce. I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you, we don't have enough life groups. We're not even close. We'll be six or 700 every Sunday morning on this campus. We probably have 12, 13 life groups. We need probably 20, 25. I, I, that got to come from the church. We need you. I need you to come to Michael Carter and say, Michael Carter, I can't, I, I, I've got to be a life group. I need to host a life group in my home. My living room is a place where I want people to meet and do life together. Oh, my gosh. Wear him out. He's right here. He, he's not hiding. Wear him out, okay? Come see him. We need you. I promise you. I could, fi- Melissa and I could fill up groups right now. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. I could fill up houses of people that want to do life with people, but I have nowhere to put them. And where I want to put them and need to put them, that group's full. Can't take no more. So we do life groups. We do life together. We, we put people together as they do life together. So Acts 2. Acts 2. Somebody asked me, is there life groups in the Bible? Yeah, there is. Life, Acts 2. Here's what Acts 2 says. They devoted themselves to the word. And they're in a house here. They're in homes. They devoted themselves to the word, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. We all love that. Right? And the prayer. This is what they did in their houses, okay? They, they got in the Word. They got good fellowship. They broke some bread, some grub, some ribs, all that good stuff. They broke bread, this bread, and, and other bread, okay? And then they prayed for each other. And then here's what God did out of that, okay? And God added to their numbers daily mm, those who were being saved (laughs) really yeah that means out of life groups cell groups home groups section groups why why we meet why we come together why we do church in homes like that why we get relationships like that why because we want god to do daily those who are being saved we want god to save people you say, well, I thought that's what we had church for. We should drag them to church. No. People aren't coming to church anymore. Check some stats. We're, we're, we're an exception here. We, we continue to grow. Not everywhere is growing. So I want you to go to your Bible. I want you to look at some scriptures in relation and on backdrop to life groups. Uh, Hebrews 10 Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. If you're hunting Hebrews after James, all right? If you're hunting James, <laughs> there's a concordance in the front of your Bible, all right? <laughs> Go to Hebrews, okay? That's why we know there's coffee in church, all right? Hebrews, all right? So um, <laughs> that was free. That was free, all right? All the coffee drinkers are like, yeah, 
All the non-coffee drinks are like, like that. So there's also water in the Bible. Don't worry. All right. Um, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to I share some of the words in here, some of the little parts in here as it refers to and relates to life groups, okay? In verse 24, the NIV that I read out of says you, might, you need to spur one another on. How many of you know what spurs are? Horses know what spurs are. Every once in a while at the pack of sack, you'll see cowboy walking there with some spurs. I, I love that. I, just, I hear them coming across the parking lot. And I'm like, that's so cool. Right? They're also muddy, but that's beside the point. But they spur. Those cowboys don't want to spur those horses. They need to spur those horses. You talk to any jockey in the Kentucky Derby, they say, I try not to hit the horse. I want him to go, but sometimes I got to hit him. Sometimes I got to hit him. I love what that one jockey said this year. He said, I had to hit him to get him off the rail. So you can get her at the rail. They don't hit that horse just for the sport, just for fun. They hit him for their protection and their benefit. Scripture says we got to spur one another on. In life groups, we got to spur one another. We got to spur them. New King James says you got to stir them up. Got to stir them up. I'm a sweet tea guy. I'm trying to back off some of that because after 50, you got to back off some stuff, sugar especially, all right, and bread. But, but you put the sugar in there, and then you pour that tea on top of it. You got to pour it hot because it will never mix. You'll be there until Jesus comes back trying to stir cold tea, all right? <laughs> but, 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 but just because you pour hot tea on top of sugar doesn't mean all of a sudden magically that sugar is going to go to the top. You got to stir it. You got to mix it. You got to put them together. In parenting translation, it's called push their button. <laughs> See what the cowboy does? He spurs that horse. Why? He's trying to get a reaction. When you stir sugar with tea, you're trying to get a reaction. In parenting, if you have more than one child, I think you have to have two children to really be a parent, but. That's beside the point. Because <laughs> when you have two, oh, Lord, help. That's, and when you have three, that changes everything. When you have five, you're like, what in the world are we thinking? But, but, <laughs> Brett and Trina. Hey, but, but, but what happens is we have two children, Brett and Allie. They come over on Saturday night. Brett's got a gift. It's not really a gift. He just thinks it's a gift, all right? His gift is he knows his sister's buttons, he, he does love his mom and daddy. He just shows it funny. And so we eat, and while we eat, he's pushing buttons. While we finish, he's still pushing. While we sit in the living room, he's pushing. And then all of a sudden, we look up, and Brett's gone. And mom and dad are left with sister that's so pushed. <laughs> and so we have to bring the buttons down. To let her exit out so we can go, thank you, Jesus. May we sleep well. Amen. And go to bed. And I'm like, son, you keep pushing your sister's buttons. He does it all the time. Now, he's getting better with maturity, but he still loves it. 
He can't stop sometimes. He, he bites his tongue sometimes, but not enough. So, so I'm not trying to bash Brett. I'm just saying that, that we push buttons. Why? Brett doesn't push sister's buttons unless sister does what? React. And I think that don't react. He'll stop. She can't stop. She has to react. It's just in us. All right. So what I'm saying is in life groups, in small groups, in relationships together, Scripture's telling us, he encourages us. He says, please consider how you might spur one another on, stir them up, push their buttons. Now, listen, not to be mean pushing buttons, but to push their buttons to get a reaction because we need the church to spur the church. Church got to spur each other. See, we've, we've, we've gotten this, this tolerant stuff in the world coming to the church, and now we don't, even, we don't even talk about stuff because we don't want to be offensive and we don't push people. Jesus said, you got to push them. They get fat and lazy on Cheetos and Dr. Pepper if you don't push them. So you got to push them. You got to push them. You got to stir them up. So let me ask you, who are you spurring today? Who are you spurring? Better, who's spurring you? See, so you got to have people you're spurring. And you got to have people you've given permission to spur you. I got guys that spur me. And I spur guys. In verse 25 of that same text, he says, let us encourage one another. Encourage them to do what? Encourage them to keep meeting together. Keep doing church. The New King James says to exhort one another, to build them up, to push, to kick if needed. I'm not telling you to go kick the church. I'm just telling you sometimes the church got to be kicked, all right? You know when you can kick a brother or a sister. If they need a kick and kick them, hug them and kick them, love them and kick them, but you got to kick them. Because if you don't, how will they know you love them? Don't let them settle. Don't watch them. Spur them, kick them, push them. Who are you pushing today? Who are you pushing? Who's pushing you? Who's pushing you? Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Mm. In order to sharpen someone, you got to go back and forth. You got to rub them. It hurts. It's not fun, but the finish is beautiful. A knife not sharpened is a knife not used. A knife not used is a knife neglected. We got to sharpen a brother and a sister. We got to. You need to be sharpened. I need to be sharpened. Proverbs 27, 17 is on the back of my wedding ring. Why? Because when we said I do, I gave that girl right there permission to sharpen me daily. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes when she sharpens me, I don't agree with the sharpening. Later, the Holy Spirit says, that's a real good sharpening on you, wasn't it? And I'm like, no. And the Holy Spirit says, stick. And I'm like, okay, it's stuck. My wife is right. My wife knows me. My wife can sharpen me. We need a brother and sisters in our lives that sharpen each other. You need life groups that sharpen you. So I'm going to ask you, who you're sharpening? Who you sharpening? And better, who is sharpening you? Who is sharpening you? When's the last time you looked across the table at a brother or sister and said, 
I need you. I give you permission to sharpen me. If you don't see it in me, if you don't think I'm doing it, if I'm not where I need to be, call me out. Call me out. We've got to have that. So what's it look like in life groups? What's it look like in life groups? What's this text? What is sharpening, spurring? What is pushing? What's that look like in life groups? What's going to look like this in life groups? Life group is important. I'm going to say that one more time. Life groups are important. Attendance in life groups are important. Attendance in life groups, I'm not telling you they're mandatory, but they're close to it. And everything in your power, everything you can do to get to your life group. And if you're in a life group, you need to hold each other accountable to attendance. I love a brother or a sister in the middle of life group. When you don't show up, they text you and say, the chair next to me is empty because you're not here. They may text back, it's none of your business. And you can text them back scriptural answers that say, yes, it is. I am not judging you. I'm spurring you. I'm pushing you. I'm rubbing you. I'm sharpening you. I'm allowing you not to settle. You need to do the same thing in your life group in the area of worship attendance. Worship's important, big time important. We need you in worship, okay? You guys in a life group, if you're not in a life group yet, get in a life group. We, we've got enough. We'll form new life groups. But in those life groups, you've got to spur one another on in attendance in life group and attendance in worship. It's very, very important. Other thing is this, in serving. Life groups ought to talk about serving in their life groups, in their church. So as you meet together on Monday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night or Sunday night or Wednesday night or whenever your life group meets, in that group, you ought to check and see how many of us in our life group is serving. How many of us in our life group is serving the church, giving back to the church? We don't want to be takers. We want to be, we want to be servers. That's good accountability. It's good accountability. Let me mention this too. It's not a, it's not a real popular subject, but, but the giving team at our church is an awesome team, and we love it. Listen, the, the gospel is free, but the delivery is not. Pure and simple. If you're not a part of the giving team, jump into the giving team. I love life groups, and I know life groups that do this, as they, they remind each other all the time, if you're not a part of the giving team, be a part of the giving team. As manger offering approaches, it's beautiful because life groups will remind each other, hey, manger offering's coming up. Be in prayer what you and your home and your family want to give to the manger offering. See, that is spurring one another on. Spurring one another on. It's very important. So what does it produce? What does this kind of spurring in life groups produce? It produces a very healthy life group. People have always said, how do you know if you have healthy life groups? How can you measure life groups? What is the measuring tool of a life group? Where is the bar set for life groups? How do we know if we're doing all the things that we're supposed to do as a life group? Well, I believe in scriptures it's very clear. Acts 2 is a good good, good graft of, of a life group. But life groups, if they're healthy, will have additional life groups.
Cell groups, if they grow, will produce more cells. Life groups that are effective will produce what? More life groups. We want to have to produce every season we meet more groups. In the fall, we need this many groups. In the spring, we should have more than we had in the fall. And in the next fall, we should have more than we had that spring and the fall before. Why? Because healthy things grow. They just do. If your church is growing, your life group should be growing. Amen? Our, our church is growing. We need more life groups. We need more life groups. What else will life groups do? Life groups will make disciples. <laughs> they will. Come follow me while I follow Jesus. Come watch my life as a daddy or a mama. Oh, good. I'm going to be just like that. I'm going to shoot for that. And then you find somebody who say, come follow me while I follow Jesus. Okay, come on. Boom. And they just start producing disciples. They just produce disciples. If, if you don't know by now, the church is supposed to make disciples. That's what we're commissioned to do. Our life groups should make disciples. It should be a byproduct of a life group. Now, I know the tendency in life groups is that we form a real tight group and we become buddies for life and, and, and we don't want anybody in our group because it, we've built it this way and it's safe and, and it's warm and it's fuzzy and everybody knows each other's name and we sing Kumbaya and all that stuff. I say, I, I know, I know. But listen to me, Kumbaya sounds better if there's more people. So bring some more Kumbayas with you and, and let them come in, okay? It's okay to grow your life group and if it gets so big that it's standing room only, out of that life group, we'll, we'll form another life group, okay? You say, well, we don't want to lose anybody. Well, how are you going to gain anybody if you don't lose anybody? How are we going to gain if we don't lose? I know change is hard. I do. But listen to me. The church has got to reproduce itself. Life groups got to continue to reproduce itself. Why? Because the kingdom's that important, and the enemy's not taking any days off. He's not. So what else happens in life groups? Well, Acts 2 is pretty simple. They, they met together, and they got in the Word, and they fellowshiped together, and they broke some bread, and they prayed, and then God added to their numbers daily those being saved. There is nothing better, nothing better than having a life group that meets in the fall. In fall life groups, you look up, and you've had two or three or four or ten people in your life group alone that have gotten saved. That's pretty stinking cool. That's very cool. It can happen through relationships. So let me walk you through something that happened to me this week. You know, it's funny. You plan your week, and then and you can change on a dime. One phone call changed your week. So went to bed Sunday night, and my wife got a text very late, 1130. I don't know what 1130 looks like. I'm, I'm a sheep, and I'm counting them by 1130. Uh, so the next morning, we see a text, and it's from Melissa's half-sister, Courtney, and they live in Plano. And Courtney, being married, they have a little boy named Sutter. He's about two. And so um, there was a text that said, Ben, her husband, Ben wants to talk to Jeff. Ben needs to talk to Jeff. So I had staff at 9 o'clock on Monday morning, and I said, you got you to get, get Ben to call Jeff before he goes in the staff. So about 8.30, Ben calls me, and I talk to Ben, and, and Ben says, um, but as soon as I, he, I got him on the phone, I could tell. And so he says, my life's a mess. 
I've made a messed up bad. I'm in trouble. And, and I don't have anybody. But I only have one person I can talk to, and that's you. And I said, well, how serious are you? He said, I'm very serious. He said, there's a 1.30 or 2 o'clock, 2.30, something like that, flight that leaves out of Love Field. Uh, if I get on it, will you pick me up at the airport? I said, dude, you get on that plane, I'll pick you up at the airport. So he got on that plane. And he got here about 3.30. I spent the afternoon with him. I spent that night with him. And listen, I did. That next morning, he gets up. And uh, we go out on the patio. You remember Tuesday morning, kind of had that little, kind of felt like fall. It was cool. And it was raining, drippy, sprinkly. It was nice, man. So we were out on the patio just talking. And, and Ben was trying to convince me that he was okay and it was going to be okay. But he knew he was a mess and so he started walking through his life. He'll be 30 in January. And I asked Ben, I said, Ben, when, when do you believe that you were born again? When did a new Ben happen? And he said, when I was, 20, when I was 23. I said, okay. I said, 23. So I want you to look back over almost seven years of life. And I want you to tell me about the fruit in your life based on that decision. I want you to tell me about new Ben, about the time in the Word, about worship, about leading your family to church, about church attendance, about giving, about, about sharing your faith, about, about creating a home of worship. I want you to tell me all about those fruits in your life. And he's sitting over here, and I'm in a chair. He's sitting on the couch. And he leans up, and he puts his arms like this, and tears begin to run down his cheeks. And he said, Jeff, there, there's no fruit. I guess there's no fruit. I said, Ben, look at me. Ben Lewis, are you, are you a man at peace? And more tears started coming. He said, Jeff, I've never had peace in my life. My life's a mess. I take more pills to try to find peace than you could ever swallow. When I don't have peace, I get a pill, and I make peace. And it lasts for a little bit, and then i got to have more pills to give me peace. I can't sleep at night because I have to take medicine to sleep. My life's not at peace. I have no peace anywhere. And I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose everything unless something changes. And I said, you're right. You're right. And so I got a track. I have a gospel track that I, that I keep with me everywhere, at home, my office, and in the Jeep. And I, this, the track is from Billy Graham Ministries. It's solid scripture, man. And I gave it to him, and I said, it's called Steps to Peace with God. I said, Ben, I'm going to go in the house and make some phone calls. And I'm going to leave you on the porch. I'm not going to bother you. You stay as long as you need to until you know that you know that you know that you're born again. I said, you, you took a day off of work. You paid for a flight to fly to Amarillo, Texas. I took a day off work to spend it to you. We're not sending you back the same way you came. And so I gave him the track. He's a snotty mess at this point. So I just left him. And every once in a while, as I'm in the house on the phone, I peek out the window. And he's out there almost two hours. And one time I went out there and he's doing this. He is kneeling down on concrete and he is slamming his fist on the ground. And when I came out there later, he still had a red dot where his head was on that concrete. Broken before the Lord. Broken before the Lord. 
And so he came in to get me. I was on the phone. As soon as I finished, I went out to him. And the first thing he does is grab me and hug me. You're going to see him in a little bit. He's a big boy, all right? He gave me a big old hug. Now, this is my brother-in-law who I've known maybe four years, maybe, okay? Uh, he hugged me like we've known each other all his life. And I said, tell me what happened to you. And, dude, man, he was glowing. Woo! He was glowing. I knew what had happened. I just needed him to tell me. He said, I met the Lord, man. I met him. He changed my life. I've been born again. I said, what do you need to do? What do you want to do? He said, I want to call my wife. I want to tell her she got a new husband. And then I want to call my mom, who, who I haven't talked to in years, who, I, Jeff, I, I hate. But today I forgave her, and I forgive her, and I want to tell her I love her. I said, dude, you definitely, <laughs> you definitely been saved. All right. So we talked about that. So it was almost lunchtime. So Melissa and I took him to lunch, and then we took him to Mardell to buy a Bible. He didn't have a Bible. Never had a Bible. He didn't even know what translations were. He hardly even knew John 3, 16, except that they had it on a poster in the end zone of an Oklahoma game, an OU game. He's a big OU fan. And so after we got done, uh, we came home and we talked about the Word and told him to read John, the book of John, all this other stuff. So that, that evening, we met Brett and Natalie at Taco Tuesday at Rose's. We had Taco Tuesday. So after Taco Tuesday, we came back to our house. We have a we have a hot tub at our house, and we got Courtney on the phone and FaceTimed her. And I want you guys to roll this tape. I want the church to see what we did in the backyard. All right. This morning, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Being upon your profession of faith in Him, in obedience to our Lord's command, I baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father. The Son and the Holy Spirit. Praise the walk, a new life. There you go. That's church right there. I ain't playing that. That just happened. Then we went back in the house. Still had Courtney on the phone. Little little Sutter was on the in the high chair, and we took communion. We taught them how to do communion together, and they could do it at their home. And for the first time, uh, Ben took communion as a born-again child of the king. I'm telling you, it's awesome. And there's more to the story because Courtney texted us later and said, I don't even know this guy. I got this new husband. He got a glory about him. He don't even talk the same. No, he got changed like that, changed like that. That happened at a house in a backyard in a hot tub. Does that look like Acts 2 to, to an extent? Probably didn't have hot tubs in. <laughs> they probably wish they did. But let me tell you something to you. Life groups meet at houses. We have a couple that meet at the church. That's okay too, right? But, but, but you're in a house. Wouldn't it be real cool to call your pastor one time this fall and say, Hey, pastor, we want you and Melissa and Pax and some of the staff to come over to the house. And we have a swimming pool at this house that we meet at. And we have two, two people in our life group that gave their life to Christ this fall and we're going to have a bunch of food and break bread, but we want to have baptism before that. And, dude, I'm telling you, I'd get a ticket getting there. That's church. You say, well, I thought, I, th I thought we have church like this. Listen to me. This is church. This is beautiful part of the church, 
Okay, I love Sunday morning, corporate worship. You, you, you got to have corporate worship. You got to be a part of that. But we cannot reproduce life groups and relationships in corporate worship. Can't. Many people sit through sorry preaching and sorry worship at churches because they have great relationships. I'm telling you, they do. Relationships are where it's at. I think we have incredible worship, and the preaching's getting there here. And so... You can bring them here, all right? You can bring them here. And we'll have a party on Sunday morning. Paxton and I were talking at breakfast Sunday morning. You know what church is moving forward? That's church moving forward. That where we do life, we see salvation. We baptize them in hot tubs. We baptize them in creeks. We baptize them in ponds. We baptize them in swimming pools. Baptize if we have to. And then we come together as a corporate body of believers in, in the name of Jesus on Sunday morning. You know what we do on Sunday morning? Celebrate. That's what we do. Celebrate. What? What are we celebrating? That you got the church? No, that's awesome. What we celebrate is what God did during the week before, since we left church last week. That's what we celebrate. And that's the church moving forward. The church moving forward is having church outside the walls and coming back inside the walls of the church and celebrating the one who changes lives today. That's what church is. And that's the church moving forward. There's a day where people drug people to church to get saved. <clears throat> that didn't work. They drug my wife to church to get saved when she was seven. She prayed a prayer out of obedience because she's a sweet little girl with her mom and her preacher. And then later, 20 years later, she gave her life to Christ and was born again and never been the same since. You can't drag people to Jesus. Okay? Jesus takes people right where they're at. And changes them just like that. And then they can't stay out of church because they want to celebrate what God did in their life too. This fall, as we launch Wednesday night in the life groups, you're going to come Wednesday night with, with hot dogs and sausage wraps. It's a beautiful time of fellowship all over the place. We register preschool. We register children. We register our youth. We get everybody where they need to be for Wednesday nights. And you're going to get to walk around in here as adults husbands and wives, and you're going to get to see a ton of life groups, okay? Some are full, and that's cool, but other life groups aren't full, okay? We have them all the time. I want you to find a life group to jump in, and if there's not one, I want you to come to me and Michael and say, we want to be in a life group. We, we desperately want to be in a life group. We can't find a place to get in a life group. It is a crying shame when 15, 16, 17 couples come to us and say, we want a life group, but we don't have any place to put them. And that is on us. And we need homes and we need leaders and we need life groups because people desperately need to do life together. They need relationships because that stuff that happened behind you with Ben, it happened because of relationships. I only got one person to call. I knew I could call you. I said, get on that plane and get here. And he got on that plane and got here. Relationships, man. So I'm going to ask you to stand, church. I've kept you a little bit, but I want you to stand. Worship team will come. If you're on the ministry team, you come on up this morning. Pretty simple. That's just my heart about life groups. I love Sunday morning. Trust me. Paxson say the same thing. But, 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 but our church has got to be plugged in life groups. That's where the life happens. That's where relationships happen. So if you're in them, Commit yourself to a great fall. If you haven't found one yet, say, God, this is going to be the fall that we get in a life group. 
and you make that happen. If you're sitting here today and you say, Jeff, we've been tremendously blessed. We have a nice home, man. We have a nice home. Got a big old living room. I want to start using my home for the kingdom. I want my home to be a home where people gather and do church. Oh, you need to find me and Michael fast, all right? And if you say, I need to lead. I know I need to lead. I need to lead. You hunt us down and say, we're your leaders. Find me a home. We need you bad. We need probably 20, 25 life groups. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I could fill them a day. Ask the Lord while we worship what God wants you to do in the area of life groups. Squeeze your husband's hand. Squeeze your wife's hand. Say, honey, you push me, I push you. You've got to get a little uncomfortable sometimes. You've got to get outside of yourself. But when you do that, just like Ben was blessed, you get vulnerable. You get desperate enough. You you, You put yourself out there. God will bless your socks off. All right. Find the life group. We can pray for us. Father, we love you. God, we know you're in the life groups. We know you bless them. You're in the relationships because you made us for relationship. And you made each other for relationship. We need each other. God, I pray that the church finds a place to do life with other people. God, alone or solo, the enemy will kill us. Together, we're stronger. So, God, may we find life groups. May we invest in each other. May we spur one another on. May we push each other. And, God, as we worship, stir our hearts. Stir our hearts, God. Move us by your presence and your spirit. May we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 